I'm down and dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, uh, sometimes on Sundays, is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Hey, it's good to be back a day earlier. Yeah. So like a short week. Tomorrow is my three-year-old son's fourth birthday. And so... Wow. Trying to knock out some things today... I can take, I can like kind of take off work, but it's like, well, we still have to do podcasts. So we just got to move things around. We got to shuffle things around so that we can celebrate a four year old's birthday tomorrow, which will be a great, great time. So, hey, big day. It's a big uh, day. It's a big day. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, it's being a, a parent of kids, and I've got a 10 year old, a almost eight year old, and now an almost four year old. You know, you gotta you gotta be there. You gotta cherish the time. So, we're bringing you guys voicemail Monday on a Sunday today. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, um, funny story, not so funny story. Um, Diego, my five year old now, had his third and fourth birthday during the the COVID shutdown. Oh and my! So yeah. Last year, um, in February, he came to me and said, "Dad, please." Don't get COVID and please throw the most amazing party for me because it's two years <laughs> yes. waiting. Yes. Oh, so it's a big day. It is a huge day. Yeah. Shout out to uh, my, my son, Arden, who will definitely not be listening to this on his birthday. Too bad. Um, okay. Our first voicemail is about this Chet Palo Pro-Am yesterday. It was actually Jamal Crawford's, but... Let's be honest, it was really Chet and Paolo's show. So here is our first voicemail. Hey, fellas, this is Caleb again. Um, I just watched the Twitter thread from the Paolo Chet, whatever pickup game that was, and I'm kind of losing my mind. <laughs> um, but, like, two questions. I'm, I'm thinking about, like, how, how – I'm just wondering like, how many threes is Chet going to take and make this year? Like, I, I watched that game, and I'm thinking about essentially, like, Paul George in the, the season where he shot, like, 10 threes a game. Uh, and I'm just like, why can't Chet do that? And if he does do that and shoots, like, okay percentage, like, what is going to happen? Um, and then the other question is just, like, how did Twitter talk itself into Jabari being better than Paolo when Paolo is roughly eight feet tall and 300 pounds and can pass, shoot, dribble, and jump like that. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how that occurred. Um, anyway, thank you. 
Well, I can tell you that if Chad takes 10 trees and shots reasonably okay percentage, like 35% from three, Andrew's dream about uh, another high lottery week is not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell yeah. you as much. Yeah, it's a good question. I would say I don't think he's going to take that many threes. No. Because he is so good around the basket. And he's, no, that's not why. And he's seven foot one. And they're going to find him, you know. And he loves to attack the basket too. And not that Paul George didn't like Paul George liked to attack the basket as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul George and Russell Westbrook were the Thunder offense, you know, yeah. during those years. And I think the hope with this current iteration of the Thunder is that it's not just on one guy, especially with this particular team where you don't have some like generational score on the court. You know, you've got like really good score, a really good score in Shea. You have Chet, who is like this multi-tool, like very useful player uh, that's going to help them a ton. I mean, he's going to be so, so helpful to them. But I mean, maybe eventually he'll get to 10 threes. I can't say that I would rule that out, but for this next year, I would be surprised. Yeah, me too. Um, I have yet to watch the program. Uh, I'll probably do it later, later today or tomorrow. Um, but I saw a few moments, and I mean, let's say that in these summer leagues, um, like after summer league, uh, kind of summer leagues, uh, defense is even less than the Vegas one. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't put too much into that. Um, the reason why he won't take 10 trees is because, as Andrew mentioned, I mean, this is not a team that will allow uh, Chet Holmgren to take 15 shots next year, I think. Uh, and the balance will not be there if he takes 10 trees. I mean, it's... Um, it's not going to happen. I bet the chat will take at least three um, pull up in uh, not pull up. Sorry, um, pick and pop shoot. actions yeah. with with Shea. Yeah. Uh, that is something that will happen, and, and then he will take another two maybe. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes five, five or six. Um, five wow. is probably a, a safer bet between four and five, um, which is a good number for a center. Uh, and as Andrew oh, mentioned, yeah. I mean, uh, if he takes like 12 shots, I think that is a sweet spot for him um, between 12 and 14, something like that. And I think that he can definitely take more, but I'm not sure that uh, these offense will will be as one that allows Chad to take like 20 shots in his first year. <laughs> yeah, the most field goal attempts for anybody last year was Shea at 18.8. Yeah, um, and then Dort at fourteen. I'm having to. You have to wade through like the waters of some of these players. Like Melvin Frazier took sixteen shots a game in his three games. Yeah, um, Kalitzakis took fourteen shots a game in the. Four- oh, those was those were brilliant games. times. Uh, brilliant. Xavier Simpson, yeah. who got to deal with the magic, had thirteen a game. But then like Josh Giddy was twelve. Trey Mann was yeah. nine point eight. Yeah. Um, I mean, guys, they really spread the ball around. And I was just thinking, like, this is where, like, a per 36 number could be actually kind of useful. Where, like, Mascala, you know what? This is quite interesting. Per 36, Mike Mascala, it's like 9.9 threes per game. Yeah. Mike was automatic. 
yeah. who's hosting every single time. I don't yeah. think that Chet will be in the same kind of mold. I think that the that the team will want him to be a little bit more creative with the ball. Yeah. And so that's why, first of all, he will not play 36. Uh, that is a big reason why he won't take 10 shots, because mm -hmm. he will play, I think, between 25 and 28 per game. I don't think that he will play more yeah. as a rookie. Yeah, Giddy played 31. Dort yeah, played 32. Really, Shea played the most. He played 34.7 yeah. minutes per game. Really, we it needs to be like per 30. It should be like the real number. Yeah. Because per yeah. 36 is, is outdated in a lot of ways just because... Yeah. Essentially, no one played 36 minutes, and the reason that the reason you even have per 36 is like, okay, what what would a player that's sitting on the bench that plays 15 minutes like if you extrapolated it, what would that look like if they were a starter or like a full time, you know, whatever? Yeah. But that's just which not is something. Anymore. Yeah, which is something uh, self lauded, I, I think. I remember um, when I used to do scouting um, for my home team here in uh, in Italy, and it was like this bright basketball mind marco crespi who uh, worked with david griffin as a scout mm -hmm. in in phoenix um and uh, casale acquired uh, schultz which is a german player who was a modern player like just a three-point shooter very nice soft hands tall and, and marco told me hey uh, are you excited about the 15 minutes that i gave schultz uh, yesterday i said yes Okay, next time I will give him 30, you will have the exact same production. <laughs> Nothing more. You did, and he was right. <laughs> like, you played 15 minutes, hoisted six trees, and made four of them. He played 30 next game, six trees, four made. <laughs> it's, it's not always um, mathematically correct to correlate uh, production of 15 minutes compared to 30 because no of stamina, doubt. because of the guys who plays who you play against yeah. like if you play strictly against bench unit 10 minutes and then you you maybe play 10 with the starters it's it's not the same um so and again i think the chat will not play as much i mean he i think that the minutes is something that that okc will monitor very closely and i i kind of lean towards more towards 25 than 30 uh, if i have to bet hmm. yeah and and some of that is that you it's 82 game season the yeah. first time and not to say that he couldn't be like a 33 minute a game or 33 minute a night guy here in the next few years but man you really want to it's going to be tough because i think chet's going to want to play a lot but you're going to have to like hold him back a little bit because like yeah. if like physically you just watch if you watched him yesterday in the pro am like he attacks the basket pretty recklessly at times. Yeah. And you just watch him fall and you're just like, oh my gosh, I, I hope he's okay. I, I hope he's going to be okay. Like I thought that so yeah. many times watching him yesterday. It's like, holy crap, he's going to play 82 games like this. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to let him, you got to slow him down a little bit there. Uh, just because it's, it's hard for every single rookie that comes into mm -hmm. the league. It's like, man, this is a lot of games. You know, like eventually they all say that, and Chet will be the same. So, yeah, and it may be Andrew that they will play him thirty, but they will play him sixty games. That is also a way to manage his minutes. I, I don't know what the uh, what the plan will be, but um, I mean, the total amount of minutes for the season is going to be, I, I think, twenty five 
times 82 or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you play 60, then of course you have more minutes to, to get around. So, yeah, no, I, I think I might lean toward he'll play closer to 30, but you know, we'll see. I, as far as like the pro-am in itself, it was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And it was, and Chet and Paula played on the same team, which you wish they did not. Um, but they did, and they, you could just tell. They're like, holy smokes, these guys. Like, these two are ridiculous. Paula was on one yesterday, man. Paula was so good. He could score on every single guy in every single way. It was unbelievable. And his passing and his ball handling, like, he looked so good. And so did Chet. Chet looked awesome. Like, defensively, guys didn't really want to try a whole lot. And I think he still had, like, eight blocks. Um, he's, like, 34, eight blocks, 13 boards. I mean, he was just a monster. Yesterday, he was hitting some step-back threes, some deep, deep threes. Um, there's a You should be pretty excited. The level of competition and the level of, like, competitiveness is, like, definitely within question. It felt more like an all-star mm-hmm. game type environment. Um, but still, like you could still tell. cool. It's like still even cool. in an all-star game setting. I mean, if he, yeah. if you, if you do 34 plus 13 and eight, that, that's, they, that's nice. They were clearly the two best guys. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch the game, it was like, who stands out? Well, it's that giant, tall, skinny dude. And then this, the thick guy that's playing next to him, you know, and as far as like the Apollo question, a lot of, Draft Twitter was on Paulo is the best guy all year. You know, there were a lot mm-hmm. of draft Twitter people that were on that. It was like the intel that was coming from the team sides about who was going to go number one was Jabari, you know. Yeah. And you kind of rely on ESPN and the guys at the Athletic and to kind of steer you in the right direction with regards to those things. And even I heard some stuff from behind the scenes from people that are like directly plugged in that were saying they thought it was Jabari. And you do kind of look back and think, how did we how do we talk ourselves into that? You know, like and it's not like Jabari's a bad player. He's a really good player, like really great defender, really good shooter, but like the creation stuff for himself and others just isn't there. And so you do wonder a little bit about how we got there. Yeah, I think that, that we we got there. First of all, we we did not. But anyway, uh, we True. as Mikel and Andrew. Yeah. Um, I think we said like during the process that it was like Chet one A, Paula one B. Yeah, you know that's where we landed after that. And not and that- we are a bit homer because we we, we knew that. If we could see where to draft second, I mean, it was Chet. Or, oh, we wanted Chet uh, bad. We wanted Chet yeah. bad from the moment that we watched him. And yeah, like Jabari, exactly. you could see, be like, okay, Jabari is the one where I think if you're thinking about like traditional NBA, you're thinking about, okay, how do I make the current team that we have work? I think yeah, you get there, Jabari. There's the case that Jabari is the best guy because what does he yeah. do? Incredible defender, great play finisher. What do we need? We've already got two really good guards. What do we need the most? We need that but i think sam man sam this rebuild is so interesting in so many ways Mm -hmm. sam is looking at the landscape of the league i just have to imagine he's looking at the landscape of the league and he's like how do i not become what other teams have been but how do i become something that has never 
happened in the NBA before. How do I do that? And how do I be become like Golden State was something we had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And they they jumped the thunder because they had discovered what was next. They had discovered yeah. like the next like inefficiency and had the exact right player to the exact right two players, really three players to exploit it. Now the Thunder are trying something that no one else has really ever tried. One, a rebuild the way that they're doing it. No one's really ever tried it and carried it out the full extent. And mm-hmm. then two, they are going all skill at every position. And if you if you look up and down the roster, they want everyone. And we've talked about this a lot. But what other team has a point guard through center that can initiate offense? Yeah. You know, there's not – it doesn't exist. There's not one – there's not a team that is doing this. And to get the Chet piece is like the hardest piece to get. Now, there's going to be more of these type of guys that are coming into the league over the next probably 10 years, and so it might look might not look as different in 10 years as it does today. But right now, like that's why you draft J-Dub. That's why you draft Usman Jang. Like that's why you draft those guys, so that they can all like they can all do it. And there's not another yeah. team that does that. And that's what Sam with is caveat, trying though, to do. Hmm. With a huge caveat, though, which is some like I think that sometimes is under discussed. Um, they are doing that while adding oversized players for their positions. Oh um, yeah, now Dort. Dort is a little bit of, a, of an exception uh, yeah, because it's it not oversized, and I think that that is fun. That is not something that they really draft. It's something that fell into their laps. Oh, yeah, and exactly. Say, they wow. Did, they did not draft Dort. They just, yeah, exactly. yeah they brought him into and, the and, blue. Yeah, exactly. When you get Dort as a two-way, you get that kind of guy. You you won the lottery anyway, mm-hmm. if it, even if it's not part of mm-hmm. your um, type of player. Trey Man, you can say that he's kind of not oversized for, for the position, but he has a, a different kind of skill set, which you still need, I think. Um, and all the others, if you look at Jeng, if you look at, uh, if you look at J-Dab, um, these are players that are oversized for their position. Uh, J-Dab right. is a one-two uh, yeah. that is able to guard him four just because he's huge. Yeah. And Jeng is a two with the body of a four. Yeah. So, Giddy, I, I really Shea, think, those are your guards. Yeah, yeah Giddy, Shea, yes, yeah. of course. So they are really doing that um, while not sacrificing anything on the defensive side because mm-hmm. Giddy, yes, is not a great defender. Uh, he's not a good defender probably today, but I think that he can get there if he wants that. And, and all the other players like Chet, Jeng, J-Dub, uh, Dort, they're good defenders, mm-hmm. very good defenders, JRE. I mean, so it's um, it's a way of building the roster that is very interesting. Um, on Jabari, I mean, we can sit down next year and say, oh, we kind of misevaluate Jabari because he's scoring like crazy and he's the best defender uh, on the perimeter that mm-hmm. the league has seen in a couple of years, in, in the last five years. That can happen. I mean, the lack of shot creation is something that is real. Mm-hmm. It was apparent in, at Auburn. It was still apparent uh, in Summer League. Um, and But he's very young. And so the reason why it was a huge part of the evaluators that said, hey, 6'10", 40% from three, awesome defense. That is 
that is what I need. And, and, and it's not a bad idea. I mean, if you have Middleton, uh, and you get it at one, two, three in a draft that is perceived as a bad draft, that's not bad. <laughs> like, Middleton's a great and, player. Yeah. Yeah. A great player. And Jabari, I think, has a ceiling that is higher than that, uh, because he's very good defensively and very good at, at taking much harder shot than Middleton is taking right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that Paolo is a shiny toy right now, but let's wait an entire season before we, we judge. I think that all three, at the end of the season, we can look back and say, boy, okay, Orlando made that pick, and it was a good pick, but these three players are very good. And yeah. so all the three teams found gems uh, at one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question comes from Chuck. Andrew, uh, this is Chuck Cohen in uh, Hamden, Connecticut, an 81-year-old basketball freak that goes back before George Mikan, um, but also a huge OKC fan since KD stepped on the court at Texas. Uh, question for you. With the signings of the shooting coach, and the uh, assistant general manager from the Sixers. Do you think that the approach by Sam Presti will accelerate this year since they're obviously going to win a lot more games? Uh, so uh, I thought that's a good question. Uh, I think everybody's assuming they will tank, but I don't. I think it's it, they'll win too many games this year. And I also think that uh, Jang, from what I see, is going to be a big star. Maybe in two years, you'll he'll, he'll see it. Anyway, um, looking forward to your response. Thanks a lot. Bye. This is amazing. That was my, that was my favorite call we've had by far, so far. Thank wow. you, Chuck, for the question. Um, I'm on Team Chuck, by the way. Huh? I'm on Team Chuck all the way. I know you're like, on Team with Chuck. With Jang, with next year. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. way to go. <laughs> um, I haven't asked you about, we haven't talked about Chip England being the uh, shooting coach yet. That was no, uh, we did not. Wednesday that they announced that right before Alex and I recorded. Um, it's a big deal. What were your, what were your initial thoughts? I was surprised. Um, usually it's hard to pry away this kind of uh, assistant coach slash front office guys, legends from, yeah. from places like that. Um, so it's, um, it is surely a huge signing for OKC. Now, um, to expect some Harry Potter kind of uh, charm uh, on, on players, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's fair. To, to cheap in the first place, but to expect like um, some player to start a path that maybe in two, three years will improve their shots. So if you, if Giddy goes from 27 to 33 in three years, that is a huge win for OKC. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, everyone is thinking, hey, uh, tomorrow Giddy will shot 40%. No, that's <laughs> if that happens, boy, this guy needs needs like to, to get, I don't know, uh, what kind of like bonus or 
uh, something. Yeah, give him $10 million if he can do that because you yeah, know, yeah, of course. you're going to be competing um, at a high level for a long time if Giddy can shoot it like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that um, having um, one of the best in your, like, uh, in the practice facility every single day, that will improve everything for everyone. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a good sign. Again, even if you don't expect magic, this is a great, great signing because again, yeah. it's culture is maybe it's, it's the little things, it's the rhythm. It's maybe adding a little bit more of consistency in the results, like maybe not having, um, 10% more of shoot of three point percent at the end of the year for OKC, but maybe having more consistent results game to game. Yeah. Uh, like being a 33% team and shooting 25, then 40, and 25, then 40, compared to shooting 33 every single night, it's quite different. So I really expect something to change there. Uh, and it's, again, it's it's very, very interesting. I don't know how much it correlates with winning in year one, uh, but again, I'm on team, hey, this team will surprise a little bit more than what we expect. So um, this it's just the reinforcement to what I think. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think they brought in um, Chip England to to increase their winning percentage next year. Yeah. I think that they it, it's a good person to have for the next five years, at least five oh, to ten years. Without a doubt, I think that you look at the situation and you think, okay, we want everybody to be able to shoot pass and dribble. What are we missing here? You know, and with Shay and with Giddy, and not that Shay's a bad shooter. I don't think Shay's a bad shooter. No, I think he's a good shooter. But could he be great? I think it's possible. I think he, but you have to have the right people in place. And Chip is yes. just, he's just one of those guys that could help take them from from good to great, or from bad to good. Or you know, we just need these guys to be able to strike fear into the hearts of a defense. You know. We want the defense, like you want to bend the defense as much as possible. And they're going to bend defenses with just the fact that everyone can make decisions. Like yeah. that's, that's going to be the one thing. But if you want to compete at a championship level, that's not enough. You've got to be able to make shots. And so if you can bend the defense with every single person, when the ball hits their hands, they can take a, take a dribble, make a pass, decide to drive whatever they want to do. But if every if you fear two or three guys on the perimeter that are going to hit shots as Giddy tries to create or as Shake tries to create, it changes everything for you. Yeah, and you don't know what piece you're going to get in next year's draft either. You know, like Chip could be just as much for that guy as he is for Giddy. You know, yeah, we just don't we don't know. Uh, but I think I think he's here to help this team you know, ratchet it up a level. I don't know that we'll, we may see the results this year. I can't sit here and say that I know that we won't see the results this year. I don't, oh, I, no, no, I no. don't know that. We don't. You actually, you hope that he is that good to where he arrives and it's like, oh, now Giddy, you know, is not shooting 28%. He's 35% from three and teams are closing out. And now this Thunder team is a problem, you know, like you hope, I I would hope that that could happen. I just have my doubts. I, these things take time. It's just 
would be my point. I don't think they're going to necessarily like be a team that has to tank to the bottom, but I do think that they're going to be a team that's in like the five, six, seven range, and you hope they can jump. You know, that's yeah. that's where I think they'll be. I think they have too much talent to be a bottom two team in the league. Um, yeah, but they'll still be in the no, lottery. I think that as well. Um, and one thing that I don't know, and I think that everyone have their own picture in mind about why Chip England improves the shot of, of the players is technique is what you do as a preparation is mental. Uh, like it's something that you do with how you, you think about your shooting. We have no idea. It, it will be an, an amazing story. Maybe, maybe someone already uh, written it, but um it's it's impressive how in in how many ways you can improve a jump shot. I mean, yeah. uh, we have seen it many times. Incredible shooters like Cabrinis is probably one of the purest shooter that OKC ever had in terms of mechanism. Uh, of course, uh, Kevin Durant was probably the best, um, and and something was not working. I mean, Cabrinis is a forty percent shooter, um, oh, yeah. and it was never that. So you wonder which levers will he pull to make this team a better shooting team yep. is also about which kind of shot you should take where i mean everything it matters in terms of shooting so uh will chip being able to improve lou dort's shot selection um will that improve the, his consistency in terms of landing spot with his feet is the upper part we don't know and this is an amazing story i mean if we see something with our own eyes then it means that um we'll have an answer if not it's maybe on other stuff yeah yeah it's going to be fascinating to watch i actually have lined up an interview with a, a guy who is a shooting coach for a college team to come on hmm. the uh the dream team show here in a in a couple weeks so um should be it should be fun uh let's go to our next voicemail this is about chet hi guys um i'm just calling to wonder if uh just to wonder what you're more excited about in terms of next year's rebuild uh especially offensively uh since chet's so versatile on the offensive end are you more excited to see him in transition uh or working in the sets on the half court uh thanks I'm just so excited to watch him working with Shay. Um, I think that, um, and we were discussing it before the, the podcast. Um, I got a very interesting uh, DM about Shay, you know, the fact that he's uh, the forgotten gem of the OKC team. I think that it's common. We have a new shiny toy and we focus all our attention to Chet because Chet is awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think that I am more excited to see how Chet unlocks the half court offense for OKC. Because on in transition, I mean, you have Giddy that can hit a cross court pass. Um, you have Shay that can run the transition. It was not a terrible team in transition last year. Uh, OKC wasn't. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to see how he unlocks the spacing um, between Shay and Giddy. But I mean, just just a simple action like a pick and pop action with Shay handling the ball and Chet just popping up. How do you guard that? How other teams will guard that? It's it's fascinating to me. Will they allow him to shoot or will they stay home with Chet? Which means that Shea is not going to be doubled as much. I mean, all these things, I just, 
I just can't wait to see because we saw like the connection between Giddy and and Chad and pick and rolls. It was not very seamless, but but it it was already there. Mm-hmm. And so you have uh, an idea how the second unit maybe with Gideon and Chad how that can work. But with with Shay, I mean, I'm I'm so excited to see oh how that goes. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, it's in transition, especially oh, really? especially in person. Mm. You know, because there and to hear the roar of the crowd as Chet grabs the ball off the rim and you can see a lane because he did this a lot yesterday at the pro am. It's like he would mm-hmm. grab the ball, he'd see a lane, and he would just take it. Yeah, and. I think it's gonna it's gonna be so much fun to watch him, and and with Giddy and with Shea, and with guys like Dort and J Dub and whoever else he plays with Kenrich, it's gonna be so helpful because like that Gonzaga team was really good, but you know Chet's never played with guys like that are this good before. He's never mm-hmm. and he's also never played against guys that are gonna be as good as they are, but to get out on the break. If like Giddy's leading the break, and it's Chet and it's Shea, you know, running the wing. I mean, it's going to be so much fun to see like the decision making process from from Giddy. I think Giddy's going to have so much fun. And yeah. Chet was leaking out a bunch yesterday. He kind of be in like a bad spot defensively, honestly. But he would be out on the perimeter, and then once they got the rebound, like he was already gone. And Giddy is going to find him just like lickety split. Uh, it's going to be so yeah. much fun. I also want to see him pulling up, like just hey, run oh, the transition, and he, just did, and, he and he will. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. Expect that. There is no doubt he will. Yeah, Chet is such a fascinating basketball player. Like he's one of the most unusual basketball players you'll ever watch. And what's yeah. cool is that you get to watch him on your team for a long time, which is yeah. really really cool. Uh, okay, next question. Hey, Andrew and friends. This is uh, Barrett Lyle. Um, my question for you guys, and I've uh, I've ran this question past uh, friends as well who really enjoyed it, but my question for you is, someday the Thunder are going to win a championship. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so when that uh, day comes, we have to throw a parade. So, what is your ideal Thunder Championship parade? Where does it start at? Where does it stop at along the way to do what? Where does it finally come to an end at? So tell me your uh, ideal dream Thunder Championship parade route and activities. Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. You know, this is one that I might save a little bit for the Friday podcast, too, because I think this would be a good question if we got all of our Friday crew there to answer. But yeah, my only answer is that I want to be there. You got that be for me. Here. It's oh my being gosh. there. You would have to be here. Um, I think that you start it like around the arena and you go south on Robinson, kind of across the the tail the the south end of Scissor Tail Park. And actually, Scissor Tail is going to extend all the way to South 15th Street, I think. I don't know if you want to do all that. But anyways, if you just went to the southern end of what right now is Scissor Tail Park, back up Hudson, all the way to Sheridan, and then back around, like you could, a lot of people could be involved then. Because like then you're just talking about like the, the parks, and there's like parking garages, or the parking lots over there where 
you could have just a ton of people there. I don't know how long a parade route is. I've never been a part of a championship parade. I have no idea what that looks like, but maybe I feel like Jay and Taylor would probably have better answers and L-Man would probably have some good activities. So um, here's another, we have another question that is kind of difficult to answer and also maybe a Friday pod question. One maybe specifically for Taylor, but I'm going to see if maybe McKellie's got something. Here we go. Hey, what's up, Down to Dunk? This is Senator Kennedy. I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, now, the Tennessee Titans have as their rallying cry, Titan Up. Now, of course, Thunder has Thunder Up, um, but the Titans have been around longer than the Thunder. Not by much, but just by a little bit. So if the Thunder were forced to change the rallying cry, I don't know. I don't know if it's like trademarked or copyrighted or what even that means to have a rallying cry. What do you think they might change it to? And what do you hope that they might change it to? Now, there's a lot of lame ones around the league. I'm specifically thinking of Go Spurs Go. Um, but perhaps we can have like a music tie-in, talk to Chris Gaines maybe about Thunder Rolls, maybe serve some fresh-baked rolls at the game, um, tie-in the rap <laughs> rock stylings of P.O.D., do some Here Comes the Boom. Uh, yeah, let me know. You demand select. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> this is an amazing call. Um, <laughs> I do like the Thunder Rolls. I've always thought like that. I never thought of there being like a food element to it. Um, that's amazing. That's good marketing. Yeah. Um, here comes the boom. Anything POD related uh, gets my sign off 100%. When they introduced Thunder Up, though, I remember it. And I was like, man, that is the dumbest thing. That is the dumbest saying. Are you guys ready to thunder up? It's like, oh my gosh, like that is horrific. But now it's just like woven into the fabric of the fan base. And like it's just something yeah. that people say, like, hey, thunder up, bro. You know, I mean, people just. It's also, it's not just the Titans, it's also the Boilermakers. Uh, when I was at Purdue, it's Boiler Up. I mean, it was okay. Uh, nice. <laughs> So it's the same. Uh, it's weird that I, I was in two kind of uh, sport environments in, U in the U.S. and it's it's both like po boiler up or thunder up. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand thunder up. I understand what it's supposed to mean. Um, I've never really liked it though. Um, I guess maybe it's because I have a podcast that's more pointed down. It's down. Um, and not mm -hmm. up. So maybe that's maybe that's working against me here. But yeah, I would like to see something revamped. There's a lot of like thunder related songs uh, that you could use. And they do use a lot of them at the games. But a, ra a rallying cry is it's just a tough one because I don't know that thunder up gets people just so excited. I think it's mm -hmm. just like you know, being at the games. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And maybe people like it. Like let us know. Let us know on Twitter. Do you like Thunder Up? Are you a Thunder Up person? I mean, I know a lot of people say it, they use Thunder Up. I I I don't know. I don't really say it very very much. <laughs> I feel weird talking. I, I may use it on on Twitter as a hashtag just because yeah. it's when I when I make I used to make Thunder content like this post game or whatnot, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. should get back to. You should. That was good um, stuff. Um, I I used to, to to put the hashtag, but it's that's about it. Yeah, no, I think it's yeah. 
Uh, let's see. <laughs> Black white here says hashtag thunder up. Uh, pr- Grim Porpoise on the stream says, doesn't it stem from Cowboy Up from the Red Sox in 03 or whatever? I I don't know. I don't know. Hey, don't I mean, ask me. <laughs> I, I need to actually investigate this a little bit. I can make some phone calls and find out like where who came up with Thunder Up. Where's that? Where did that come from? Who decided that this was our rallying cry? That this was our hashtag? I don't know who decided that. Uh, all right, we've got a few more questions. Here's our next one. Hey guys, uh, this is Bryson from North Carolina. Um, I just had a quick question for you guys about Shea. Uh, I just feel like with the more facilitating and playmaking we've gotten on this team, I know you guys were talking about it, and we don't know if Shea's the number one option or anything. And I think, I think when it comes to All Star games and stuff like that, like his credibility could be built up more with the playmaking because, you know, when Shea came into the league, he was a great defender. You know, a lot of people talked about how he navigated screens really well and things like that. And obviously, with the offensive load he's had to carry it's been very difficult for him to probably be a plus defender. But with all the playmaking and everything, that uh, shot creation and everything they've kind of gotten, do we think that maybe the ball gets a little bit more out of Shea's hands, he becomes more efficient and can focus on the defensive side of the ball a little bit? Um, Anyway, thank you guys. We love you. Uh, Keep it up. Thoughts, McKellie? I'm sure you do. Oh, it would be amazing. I mean, I'm all in for um, not having Shea attacking in the most difficult situation possible. He will have to to get to that uh, when OKC will be ready to to make the playoffs. That is where and when he will have to attack a packed defense or a great defense. Uh, it will be amazing to ease up his work uh, because it will be less fatigue and it will be just better basketball um at times in year one of this rebuild i had the feeling that when shea was off the court and it was kenridge it was cp3 um so sorry not cp3 it was horford uh mm-hmm. the ball was moving better um so and last year he was better at that the ball was moving a lot more he was like passing more uh, but i think that there is another level uh, for this to go, and, and the, the only game that Giddy and Shea played after also break, I think that was a very good game. Uh, I know that after Shea said, "Hey, this is not Plan A," but he he got thirty that game. Uh, if he get if he can get cheap thirty <laughs> to to quote Josh Giddy yeah. on Train Man, right, right. a cheap thirty every single night that that would be amazing. And if we get Shea to be just an adequate defender, not a great one. I mean, great one would be. Wow, insane. Mm. Um, but just to, to just to be a guy who can spend four fouls and not worry about the team sunk offensively with him out of the of the court, that would be an amazing thing for him and for OKC. Yeah. And and I agree, he will get national recognition if he's average or better defensively while scoring 26, 27. I think that he can get to 27, 6 and 6, something like that next year. Woo. Um yeah. I mean, it was twenty-four. It was twenty-four and a half, five and oh, five. I know. I still. I'm. Gonna, I need someone to. I need a fan on or something in here. Wow. I don't think that was so spicy. Like that's a, like how many guys do that though in the NBA? I'm very high on Shea. 
Yeah, I, I'm no not guy. saying that I'm saying you're Let's wrong. Say I'm just saying points. that's like... You want to, to go 26? It's one and a half points more. It's not a big I know, deal. It's a, it's a, it's a, it seems like not a it's big deal. It's just improving. It's just getting back to 35% from three. It's not huge. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, better, he like, struggled at points in the season. There's no doubt. I think I think that that is um, that is something that he can achieve. Um, he just has to show it for the entire season. Yeah. How many guys averaged 27 or more points per game last year? Seven. Ten. Ten. Okay. Here's the list: Nikola Jokic, 27.1; John Morant, 27.4; Kyrie Irving in his 29 games, 27.4. DeMar DeRozan, 27.9. Trey Young, 28.4. Luka, 28.4. Kevin Durant, 29.9. Giannis, 29.9. LeBron, 30 in his 56 games. And then Joel Embiid, 30.6. Hmm. So that's the yeah. list. That's some good players, man. That's some good players. Guys that average 26 points. The list is two. Jason Tatum and Devin Booker. Mm -hmm. And then guys that have averaged 25 or more, it's only 14 guys. Steph Curry was 25 and a half. Donovan Mitchell, 25.9. So I'm saying, like, if he's like 25, 26, that's a lot of points, man. But that's a what, lot. what was his average? 24.8? 24.5. He's 16th. And scoring per game. Yeah, I mean, he improved one 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 and a half point from season from two seasons ago to this one, right? Yeah, played fifty six games last year. Yeah, that's. I mean, he's a good player. There's there's no doubt about that. I just I don't know. Getting up to twenty seven, then we're talking about a top ten score in the league. Let's say twenty six. Then we're talking about a top twelve score in the league. I think that he can get that there. <laughs> well, he's already top 14. So why not? Why not? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. The point to me is maybe he won't, if he won't get there, yeah, because he's super duper efficient, mm -hmm. but he takes less shots, that is a huge win for OKC oh, as well. Oh, my. Let's put it this way. Yeah, it would be. Like, uh, if he can be. 50, 40, 80, whatever. And you get Giddy Dort, Shea, uh, Giddy Dort, uh, and Chet like being efficient and scoring a lot. And Shea has to take just 16 shots. That's perfectly fine for me. I don't, I don't expect that to happen next year, though. Yeah. Maybe in the future. Next year, I think that Shea will roll, will just be melting hot from the beginning yeah but it's just, just me yeah shay's 16th in scoring i think i said 14th but he's 16th yeah. in points per game in the league most of these guys are taking 20 shots per game that are scoring more the exceptions to that rule are Nikola jokic only shot 17.7 shots per game and averaged 27 points uh Giannis scored 29 points per game on 18 shots yeah, that's amazing Embiid. 30 points per game on 19 shots. Yeah, but Embiid taking like 12, no, more. 13 free throws per game, something like that. Oh, yeah. He's taking 11.8. Yeah. Giannis, 11.4. That's yeah. And that's, but that's how you do it. Like, that's how you get there. Yeah. That's how Kevin got there. You know? Yeah. Kevin and... takes seven free throws a game. 
you know how many <laughs> Shea takes seven too. If Shea gets up to ten free throws per game, which how many players are shooting ten or how many how many players do you think are taking ten or more? Seven. Two. Really? Giannis Justin beating Giannis? Mm-hmm. The next highest that, the next yeah. highest is Harden, who took eight. Jimmy Butler oh. took eight. DeMar took seven. Luca seven. Yeah, that's KD makes seven. Josh seven. Trey Young seven. Shea is tenth in free throw attempts per game in the NBA. Hey, having him play one on one, three possessions more, and you get two free throws more. Yeah. At least. Uh, some spicy takes here. I like it. I like it. I don't know making, if you like it. <laughs> I'm making the case. I do like Here's the thing. Some people get this twisted a little bit that I don't want the, like, they think for some reason, I, I know, don't want I the know. Thunder to be good. I want the Thunder to be good more than you do. More than, not, I'm not talking to you. No. I'm talking to the listeners. I want the Thunder to be good more than anybody. I want them to actually like reach a level that they could, that, that we can't even imagine. And like, that's why I want them to add another player. It's not that, I think this team stinks and they can never... No, I think they have really good pieces. I even said the other day, I think they have most of the pieces that they're going to have whenever they start making whatever run they make. But I just... I I want to have like a 10-year-long run that gets a championship where they get to the West Finals a bunch, where they're in, in the playoffs, just in the thick of it for a decade, you know, and can you imagine, I, is there a way that the team they have now, plus like the 14th or 15th pick next year could do that? It's not impossible. It's not impossible, but I would feel a lot better if that pick was the sixth or seventh pick, you know, that's all. Uh, Okay. Next question. We got two more questions. We got to go. Hey guys. Um, if you could choose one or two NBA players for Giddy and Holmgren and J-Dub to study, I would love to know who the one or two players you would choose for each of them to study would be um, and kind of what specific focus you would have for them. Hope you're having a great day. Ciao. Hmm. Okay. So let's – you can do past, present, or future. The guy I think of with Chet specifically is Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Who – and specifically on – I thought you were saying Kevin Durant said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Also that. Also Kevin. <laughs> yeah, just don't, just don't listen to any of the off-the-court stuff. Don't listen to his podcast. Don't do that. Um Kevin Garnett on the defensive end, if he could be the menace that KG was, who was like probably the most switchable big man of all time and was the foundation of a championship level team. Like that's that's the guy. And the intensity and what he brought to the court was just unlike anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's like go study that guy. Like what did he do on the defensive end? Like he was an absolute psycho on the defensive end. I mean, that would be the guy that I would want. I mean, go look at the – even his Timberwolf stuff. I mean, he, I remember watching him on TV and thinking, like, man, he's 
bringing the ball up the court for the Wolves. Like he's the best player on the Wolves. Like he's doing everything yeah. for them. And then he's there like by far their best defender. I mean that guy was unreal. Um, that's for defense. And then offensively, I mean I think that Durant's not a bad idea. You know because he's seven feet tall and he handles. Like go figure out how he learned to generate his own shot. Like specifically, um, because it's going to be harder for Chet. He's not as fl- he's fluid. He's not as fluid as Kevin. No, um, there are just there is just one Kevin. There's one Kevin, and if he could mm-hmm. learn at least some from KD, not that he needs to be KD, but like Chet has like the weirdest, wildest skill set of anybody. Yeah, um, and he could could do some of the stuff that both of those guys do and he's got like the intensity and the competitiveness and stuff to boot which is partly i think why if you're the thunder you just love the guy um so to me those are a couple guys that i would say like okay chat like those are here's two guys that i want you to really like take a look at um what about josh oh boy um i'm not i'm i'm very bad at this um well, when but I think about the, Josh, I think about Jason Kidd. Like, I just can't not think about yes, Jason Kidd. Yes, but I don't want him to study that. You um, want him to study somebody way different. I want him to study the, the timing of the passes of Steve Nash. I know that it's, it's yeah, vanilla take. Yes, Steve Nash, great passer. Yes, but you need to, to look at the the pace yeah. and the, the passing windows the type of passes that you, he used to throw. I, I mean, it's a totally different player, and he was leveraging his shot to keep the defense on. This is, again, it's a completely different player. But the way in which Steve um, like studied the, the court, like understand the timing, the pace, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's different from anybody else. And yeah. so that and also Manu. Uh, I mean, he, these I know that Giddy's uh, an incredible passer, but those two were among the best. Um, and I think that uh, JDAP should study a little bit of Manu as well. He, he is creative. Um, oh and Manu yeah. used to find ways to impact the game from the bench. I mean, it, again, I'm not comparing uh, Manu to JDAP or to Giddy. That is not it. But Manu was someone who can really change the pace of a game um, on both ends. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that he was a, a scorer, a good passer, a great defender. He had everything. Even if he was not the most explosive, he was a good athlete, uh, but not the most oh. explosive guy out there. Yeah. And so I think that uh, it makes a good um, summer study for J-Dub as well. Yeah, Manu is a great one. And just like the Manu. ultimate team player. He had a birthday yeah. the other day. Um, yeah, he'd be great. Um, I'd also like Vince Carter's another one, like a late career Vince Carter for J-Dub. It's like, look mm-hmm. at what Vince did. Like he was able to, and this is the thing I love about J-Dub is like how scalable he was. And that's the thing that kept, like Vince Carter, I think he's third in most games played all time. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the scalability of his game. He yeah. learned how to be like the ultimate guy that some people thought like this is the next Michael Jordan was Vince Carter. Like the yeah. hype was that big. All the way down to I catch and shoot for the maps, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and he was awesome. He was so good. <laughs> At he times. Was so, so good. 
And just the scalability of that, it's like, man, like, this is what you got. Like, this is you. Um, so I think, like, him and Manu, like, are two really good ones. Um, yeah, and then, like, Giddy also, I think Chris Paul is, like, another vanilla answer, but it's, like, it's about the pace that Chris plays with. Like, he doesn't let yeah. anybody speed him up or slow him down unless it's Russell Westbrook in the last five seconds of a Clippers-Thunder playoff game, game five in OKC. Other than that, he dictates the game. You know, like, it's his game. And we want, we got to see that for a season here in Oklahoma City, and that was really fun because it was just all about, like, the way that Chris organized the team and <clears throat> also the way that Chris, you know, helped a lot of guys find success that year. Yeah. You know, think about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, by the way, not signed to a team. That's weird. Right now. Hey, there was a rumor. Yeah. <laughs> signing with OKC. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and Dennis is not that old. No, is uh, I think he's the 29 this year. He yeah, will be 29, yeah, sure. Yeah, he turns uh, 20, 29 in September. Yeah. He shouldn't... He's not... One, I don't think he's done. Two, he should be on a team right now. Like, we've seen how good he is. And part of that was, like, Chris, you know. And Dennis has got to find his way where he goes next. Um, but, man, yeah. I mean, turning down a huge paycheck for a bigger one is always a risky proposition. Um, Noel did that. Yeah. And he almost lost his way. Yep. Uh, he he did that with the Lakers, and he definitely lost his way. Yep. Um, I really hope he finds um, a way here or in Europe. There are many mm -hmm. teams that will sign him in in EuroLeague yeah. without blinking twice. So um, it's still it's. I mean, with Chris Paul, um, I kind of hope that Giddy turns into um i mean chris paul is hey scream for me and i will make it work mm -hmm. can i say that i kind of don't want that for okc and i would hope for something more organic mm -hmm. something that is not orchestrated by chris paul mm -hmm. but something that is more um you want him to play a manu role where like no in, in general uh, i mean i don't want to have um Chris Paul ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No one's ball. Like, it's, again, I, I always go there. But if you look at the Warriors, it's not Steph ball. Yeah. Steph is part of the engine. Yeah. The part that makes everything else work, but it's not him that it's actively making it work. Like, it's not mm -hmm. commanding the offense. He's at the service of the offense. Um, if OKC can unlock that with every player, mm -hmm. like Chet, uh, like um, um, Giddy and Shay and all the others, um, that would be. I think that is what sticks. Yeah, that is what is most dangerous in the playoffs because you have something that is not one man show or one man engine. It's it's more than that. It's yeah. um, it's really an orchestra that plays together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think. I think that's the way that, that they envision the team is that I they all so. play with a, a rhythm and a, and a verb that is just very unique. 
Uh, Logan M in the chat here on live here on YouTube says that Chet needs to learn more O from Dirk. Um, yeah, that would be nice as well. So, I mean, he's already doing the um, fadeaway one-legged jumper, yeah. so we need to show. He needs to show us the turnaround and a few other things. Yeah, maybe he just learns from from Dirk and from uh, Matumbo, the Dirk Matumbo combination there from Chet. Yeah, it's a not bad combination. Uh, last question. We we'll have to answer this pretty quick because I gotta go. Hey, Andrew, Mikey, this is Dylan at Thunder Chats, uh, and I was just calling in to. Uh, first of all, say so appreciate all you guys do, but I want to talk about Chet for a second. Um, the question I kind of have is, you know, with Shea and Giddy uh, looking to have such a big role in the offense, specifically with the ball in their hands and usage, um, how much do you see Chet having the ball in his hands? Like, is he the third option? Would he be the fourth option offensively behind a guy like Dort or Trey Manning in the lineup? Like, how many shots and opportunities to – score the ball, I guess, do you think that's going to be able to have? And do you think it's going to be more play-finishing type, or do you think they're going to let him cook a little bit? Uh, love the show. Can't wait to hear. Yeah, I think that we kind of um, answered that at the beginning of the show a little bit. Um, I think that they will let him cook, for sure. Um, but I think that he will definitely be number three in shooting attempts. If it's more, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a hell of a season. <laughs> like, if Chet is taking 15 shots, I mean, this will be fun. Extremely fun. I think he's the second option. Oh, really? Wow. I do. I think that Dort is a player that needs to scale down as far as yeah. scoring goes. Um, no, I, think, I was thinking more Giddy. Uh, I, I mean, he, he took 12. I think he will be up a little bit from yeah. there. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I th- and I think Giddy's just more of a facilitator. I think that it's Shay than Chet, and then we'll let whoever else define who that is. Hey, this is perfect for me. That's like, I, <laughs> I, I want to see him cooking. Uh, the jump shot is so so enticing. Yeah. Like, I I really can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. It's really easy, especially if you're listening on an iPhone. You can click the Purple Podcast app, search Down to Dunk, hit five stars. You can even leave us a message. We see all of them, and it means a lot to us if you would do that. Thanks so much for subscribing on YouTube as well. We have lots of people that follow along. If you hit that little hit subscribe first, then hit the little bell. It'll tell you when we go live, and you can join us in comments. we got a pretty lively comment section almost every podcast, so... Be sure to join us. Hope you guys have a great, great Sunday or Monday whenever you're listening to this. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.